Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome on this beginning evening of Lent in which you and I had this great privilege of being able to gather and start this journey together with our Lord. One that is an interesting journey because it's filled with ups and downs, but the entire account is filled with all these unique stories of Jesus that I truly hope over the next 40 days will not just go in one ear and out the other for any of us, but go directly to our minds and in our hearts and change who we are. Maybe some of us are new to the faith. Maybe some of us have been Christians as long as we can remember. In either case or scenario, the words that you will hear tonight are specifically for you. The words that God gives unto us to recognize the joy that we have even in this time of Lent. Our theme for this season is going to be a, a Lent life, recognizing that that's exactly what we possess. This life that is on loan from our Lord, that He has entrusted us to be a manager of, and to be able to use, to be able to serve him, and to be able to forward his ministry, because he entrusts that unto you and I. You know, today uh, is Pastor Mark, I think you've done, let's see, one, two, three, you did four chapels this morning, right? And then we did an afternoon service. I had the opportunity to do two chapels for our preschool students this morning, and then do the noon service, and now this is my fourth today. And it's great to be able to pass on that good news that we have in that cross of Christ, even though that sounds so unique at times. I'll get to that in just a moment. You know, uh, I am the oldest of three boys. I have two younger brothers. And out of the three of us, I was the first to get married, but I was the last to have kids. I don't know if that was a smart decision or not. I haven't figured that out yet. But... As the last to have kids, I have had the privilege of watching my two brothers now have to train up some of their kids, in particular my niece and my nephew, in driver's training. They are 15 and 16 years old, and sometimes they'll send me a little video of how their kids are doing. One of my brothers was trying to teach his daughter how to drive a stick shift. Kids don't even know what that is anymore, and it's great to be able to watch that. I don't know if you had to train up your children or if you went through that process with one of your parents at a time, but it can become uh, a little frustrating, I think, at times. Maybe a little, little white-knuckle action sometimes is happening on the roads. My friend told me one time that he was driving down with his dad. He had just gotten his permit. It was the first time he was ever driving. He said his dad took him on a road that was pretty easy to be able to travel on, as they headed down the road, finally a car did start approaching in the other direction. Right at that exact same time, the shoulder on their side got super thin, almost to nothing, and there was only a guardrail there. My friend didn't realize, but little by little, to stay away from the car that was coming in opposing traffic, he started moving over to the right, closer and closer to that guardrail. He said the first thing he noticed was his dad was gripping the seat and had his hand on the dashboard. And he said, Dad, is everything okay? And he said, are you going to turn before we hit that guardrail? He said he didn't even see it coming. But his father saw it the entire time. 
The time that we have here on Ash Wednesday is, is similar to that. Something that we, we look forward to that we didn't know that was coming, that Adam and Eve didn't know was coming, but our Father knew the entire time. He saw this destruction of sin that was in our path. He saw that accident that was waiting to happen and did happen in the Garden of Eden. One that was passed down to you and I throughout the generations and that we have passed down unto our kids. One that is still a part of us today, this sin that we have. And so we gather now tonight on this Ash Wednesday to be able to recognize not only the pain that we have in this sin, but also the victory that we have in our God. You see, Ash Wednesday brings together our baptism and our death into one. It meets in the middle in this unique arena to be able to show us that even in the, the death of our Lord and even in His sacrifice, that we still have a time of joy to be able to celebrate, as sad as that is. The only perfect person to ever walk on this earth that is put to death on our behalf. We'll review that in our text for tonight. You know, as I knelt down today on my knee to be able to put the cross on those preschoolers' foreheads or upon their hand, as they came forward and I had talked to them, I said, you know, how many of you like to count down to Christmas? And they all said, me, me, I, I love to count down to Christmas. Today, two of our preschool kids have their birthdays, and they brought cupcakes and cookies for their class, and they said, how many of you like to count down to your birthday? And they said, I do. I love to count down to my birthday. And I said, why? Why do you like to count down to Christmas? Why do you like to count down to your birthday? Well, we get gifts. We get presents, right? It's fun to be able to count down to that. And I said, how many of you count down to Easter? And None of them raised their hand. None of them raised their voices. But this is what that moment of Lent is. This 40-day journey that we are on, beginning here tonight, that we count down to Easter. Because it's in that time that we too receive a gift. The best gift that has ever been given. The death and also the resurrection of our Lord. One that gives us perfect freedom. If you were gathered here with me tonight, I can only assume that you are willing and by the Holy Spirit able to be able to increase and strengthen in your faith. God can do this through us. Last week when I was listening to Pastor Mark's sermon, he said, I'm going to give a sermon that only has one point. And I thought, that's great. That is so easy to remember. We're going to shoot for something similar tonight. So I want to have one goal for us tonight as we gather. And here's that one goal for Ash Wednesday to be able to leave this worship service tonight knowing that life is best lived when it's in our Father's hands. Let that sink in for just a second. That your life is best lived when you place it in our Heavenly Father's hands. What does that look like? Well, maybe let's look at the opposite of that just briefly. What are the other areas you have tried to place your life in? What have you tried to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to entrust something or a big piece of my life or my life as a whole in this area right here? What are some of those different areas, hands that we have tried to put our life in? Maybe for some of us, we've uh, put our life in the hands of our government. We say, you know, this is an area that I have entrusted at least a piece 
of my life, to be able to care for our world, to be able to, to take care of me. How's that going? Not just today, for all the time. Has this been an area that we can entrust our life to and say that this always works perfect? There's a reason for it. There's a place for it, for sure. It is highly important within our culture. But do we entrust our life into the hands of this completely? What about other realms? What about your financial advisor or just your finances in general? Have you ever placed your life in the, in the hands of those finances? If I could just make a little bit more, if I could just save X amount, then everything will be fine. We won't have to worry about anything. It's always a little bit more that we need though, right? It's never enough to be able to have that. It's something that's talked about over and over again in Scripture. It's something that doesn't give us pure joy. It doesn't take care of us placing our hands there. What about in something like technology? Our world is progressing so fast and at a great rate. And it's amazing and it is wonderful. Look at technology just in the medical field over the past decade or over the past two decades. It is amazing where it was and where it is now and where it is going but do we take technology and place our hands in its life saying, this will take care of us. This will make our lives better. In the church, as an individual, uh, for my company, will technology do this for me? And how's that going for you? What about with just people around us? Have you ever placed your life in the hands of people around you? Maybe it was uh, an employer that you trusted. Maybe it was a spouse that you thought you were going to be together forever. Maybe it was your best friend before that fracture in your relationship. We've all had those times when we have been burned by others, when we have probably done it unto others. How's that going for you? Placing your life in the hands of people who are sinful, just like you and me. So maybe we put those aside. That hasn't gone well, putting our, our life in the hands of others. I know. What if I put my life in the hands of myself? This has to work. Put my life in my hands. I know what's best for me. I know what to be able to do. I can make good decisions. Do we as humans make good decisions? Even if we put our life in our own hands, how are we doing with that? Think of just the simple things of self-control in our life. Have you ever told yourself, you know what, um, I'm just going to have one more piece of pizza and, or just one more piece of that cake. I know in two hours from now, I'm going to feel horrible, but I'm going to do it anyway. What is your self-control like? Maybe it was uh, staying up too late. Maybe you thought, you know what, uh, I know if I stay up and watch another one of these programs, it's a, it's a cliffhanger, it's right there. If I can just binge watch this a little bit longer, then I can uh, be able to see what happens at the end of this episode. I know I need to wake up, I might be a little bit sleepy in the morning, maybe I'm just surfing the internet, but I'm going to stay up, and then you, you woke up the next morning and you knew the, what was going to happen, and you, you felt horrible. How's that self-control going? Maybe it was with your spending. Maybe you thought, you know, I need to start start spending less. I need to start saving more. And so you said, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to have a little bit of self-control in this area, but then when you decide you're going to go out here, you're going to buy this, you're going to buy that, how are we doing with our, our self-control? It's something different for all of us, but what do we really do if we put our life 
in our own hands. It doesn't work in the hands of others. It doesn't work in our own hands even because our life was meant to be in the hands of God. Our life is meant to be alongside our Heavenly Father, to be able to, to grow us, to be able to strengthen us, to be able to protect us, to be able to love us in everything that He does. And this is our sermon text for tonight. Let's review it just briefly. This is uh, Peter writing to Christians who are enslaved in Asia Minor. They're frustrated. They don't know what to do. They want to uprise and do something about it. Peter says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. One of the biggest things we hear in this text tonight is that Peter isn't just writing to individuals who were enslaved by something years ago, but this word is for us tonight. People who are enslaved by sin. People who want to be able to maybe uprise against things or people within our world. Sometimes maybe we even want to uprise against ourselves. But Peter says, look at the example of Christ. Look at his example of what he does for you. These are the steps that you should follow in. These steps are important because this is what we do during this journey of Lent. We follow along the stories and the steps of Jesus so we can grow closer and closer in our relationship with the Lord. What does Christ's example look like? Well, it's a pretty strong one. Peter continues and he says, when they hurled insults at him, at Jesus, you remember this, everybody? When they hurled these insults at him, he did not retaliate, even though he could have. He was God. When he suffered, he made no threats. He doesn't even speak out against these people, even though they are treating him unjustly. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus Christ himself, the only one who lives this, this perfect life, this true example for us, Remember those words as he is dying on the cross for your sins. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He doesn't have to do this, but this is the example. He entrusts himself into God's hands. You can do this. You can entrust yourself into God's hands. Imagine what our world would look like if Christians around this universe would just commit themselves to being able to do that. Gee, what if just 10% of Christians committed themselves to doing that? Gee, what if, what if just us that are gathered here tonight and, and online did it for the 40 days of Lent? What would that look like? Because remember the price that Jesus pays for you. And there could be one of you or one of me in this room tonight. And he would have paid the exact same price. Peter says, remember that example. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. 
Notice who gets all the bad stuff in that verse, and notice who gets all of the, the good stuff. Just look at it briefly. He himself, Jesus, he, he, he bears our sin. In his body, he is put upon the cross. He suffers for us. Why? So that, that we might die to sin, that sin is not a part of us anymore. And so that we may live for righteousness. By his, his wounds, you have been healed. And this is the moment in that great exchange that our sin is taken away and placed upon our Savior. Because it's in that moment that Jesus Christ himself places his life in our Father's hands. Because of you. Because of me. Because of his love that he has for us. Taking dust and making it into creation because he loves you so much. And then taking that dust once again and giving his own body so you can be brought to perfection. Take time during this journey of Lent and draw closer and closer with your Lord. Your life will be better. Your relationship with people around you will be better because the Lord will bring us together. He is our Redeemer. He is our Healer. And as we sang tonight, He is our ultimate friend. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you have given to us in Christ. And Lord, we all just come to you uh, this evening and we strongly and boldly pray to you uh, that you will be able to use us uh, to be able to grow uh, more in our relationship, Lord, uh, as Christians, as, as servants, as disciples, because of what you have done in our lives. Uh, Lord, for everybody that is here tonight or listening and hearing this online, even at a, at a later date, Lord, strengthen our faith and use us to be able to, again, be your gospel mouthpieces within this world. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.